This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Another issue or episode, whatever we're calling it, volume of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. And uh, I'm running off a lot of caffeine tonight because I've been under the weather for about four days now. And I'm just starting to come out of it. But I am I'm, I am feeling better today. It is that time of year to start getting sick and, you know, dealing with allergies and whatnot. I don't know how things are where you are, but mm-hmm. here is like... The ground is just covered with pollen. Well, it, it's impossible it makes me sick. to not stay sick here because it's it's 85 degrees for like a week and then it'll be like 12 degrees for like a day or two and then back up to 85 degrees. Like, what are we supposed to do, man? How how do you how are you supposed to live like this? Well, it normally happens to me at the end of the year, like whenever the temperature is kind of like it is now where it's just fluctuating. Mm-hmm. I'll stay sick for a good month, <laughs> month and a half. Because I'm so susceptible to the weather. Dude, I it's literally awful. I literally slept all day Saturday. Like I didn't do anything but sleep and wake up and eat and go back to go back to sleep. That's all I did. Yeah, the this weekend was extremely busy for me because I, I helped Samantha work a wedding. Well, first of all, I t- technically had a four day weekend, but it kind of wasn't because yeah. I had to work an event Friday. Saturday, I helped Samantha with a wedding during the afternoon. Then I had to drive to Tallahassee to cover an event for work. <laughs> it didn't start until 8.30 Eastern time. And it was over three hours long. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> and I drove back that night. I got home at 1.30 in the morning. Eey, speaking of And weddings, then had family stuff for, for Easter. So I have not done anything today. Speaking of weddings, I get to DJ a wedding for the first time in my life this week, this Saturday. So we'll oh, see. Oh, that'll be fun. We'll see how that goes. It's uh, it's one of my good friends. Um, it's Mikey, who uh, is the bass player for uh, my, the band Fall as well and Falls from Grace. We've been <clears throat> we've been friends and playing together for 20 five years now and uh he's he's taken the plunge and he's getting married and he asked me to dj he said i he couldn't think of anybody better to and nobody would be as funny telling stories about him uh other than me so he asked me if i would dj the wedding and i said of course 100 percent, i'm there y'all have to record it because i bet that'll be epic and it's gonna be a bunch of new jersey Italians, so it's gonna be awesome <laughs> oh just don't upset anybody yeah get some gabagool and you know <laughs> yeah that no that that actually sounds like a lot of fun yeah it's gonna be great i can't I, honestly i'm looking really looking forward to it so we'll I'll, I'll i'll do some video and uh send to you guys i'll put it up if you want to i might see if I, i'll see if i can upload to the discord a little bit this weekend okay yeah no that'd be fun but uh, what else is going fun. on in Derek Diamond world? Did I, you, I know you got to see Super Mario Brothers this weekend. I haven't not gotten a chance to see it yet. 
Yeah, and I know we've got two stories uh, about the movie, so I'll kind of I'm not going to give away any spoilers because I know you haven't seen it, and I don't know who all in the the Discord or the listeners have or have not seen it. But saw that opening night, and then um, you know, just kind of getting getting ready for my vacation coming up. I know we mentioned it last week, but um, I won't be on the show for the next two weeks because uh, Samantha and I will be in Denver uh, starting Friday through next Tuesday for our uh, anniversary trip. And then the following Monday, I'll be in Niceville uh, participating in like a kind of like a short film showcase for some uh, college students out there. I'll be showing the feature. Um, Some other filmmakers that we're mutual friends with, like Steve Wise and Kevin Almodovar will be there showing off some of their projects. So it'll it'll be a fun two weeks. I hear the people there are nice in Niceville. It'd be funny if they were just like the the rudest, <laughs> most condescending people. That's probably how it really is. Like you roll into town, going to a gas station, like, "Hey, how you doing? Go screw yourself!" Like, "All right then." Get back to your car, and there's like a knife in your tire. <laughs> uh, and I just got a text from our good friend Joey Image. He says, "Oh man, I'm out to dinner, and you started the show." LOL. Sorry, man, but uh, I do want to say if any everybody could. Joey is going for a surgery this Wednesday. If you if you follow yep. him at, at Joey Image TV on Twitter, send him some good vibes, man. You know he was a wrestler for a long time, and he's got some got some neck problems, so he's going to have neck surgery this Wednesday. So everybody, please get go on Twitter and just send him some good vibes, man. Just get give him all the good vibes you can get, so we can get him healthy and uh, get him back here on the show because we got a segment. We're, we're going to do with him. Uh, there's a once a month segment we were talking about doing, but we didn't get to do it because his surgery got scheduled. So once he's over that, we got a brand new segment with Mr. Joey Image. We're going to debut here on the show once a month. And uh, But everybody, please go give him some some good wishes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, neck surgery is really serious, so mm-hmm. he'll appreciate the the kind words. And we're only a few days apart, so it, we're getting to that age. Like, I'm 45, he's 45. I think we're like three days apart. <laughs> we were born almost a few days apart from one another. So it's that time when our bodies are starting to fall apart on us. And it's not cool, man. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, you're getting there. You'll be there soon. You're going to wake up I, in the morning. And just my dad told me this one thing when I was a kid, and it's always stuck with me. One day you're going to get to the age where you wake up and you hurt. And just because something hurts doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong. Yeah, no, I've I've heard the same thing, and you know, I, I I've noticed little things as I get older. Like I definitely feel different now than when I was like twenty five or twenty six. So I, I'm already on the downhill slope, dude. It's uh, the first thing I noticed was drinking. Like I used to be able to go out and drink all night with friends and be fine the next day. Now, if I drive two more than two drinks, I will get a hangover before I even go home. Like I will get mm-hmm. a hangover after my second drink. So I just, I don't even drink anymore. Yeah. I used to be pretty tolerant when it came to alcohol. Like I could have, like, say if I went to a brewery, I could have like three or four beers and I would be fine. Now I have one, maybe <laughs> one and a half and I can already feel that I'm going to be sick the next day. Mm-hmm. And you're just done. You're like, I, I don't know. Yep. My body has finally turned on me. <laughs> yep. Uh, Been able to hold it back long enough, but yep. yeah, it's it's starting to fight back a little harder. But uh, we got a few news bits to get to. Would you like to jump into the news? Let's do it. 
tonight's stories were submitted to us by Donner, Party of Five, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I Am The Rampage, and Armez Jackson. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And this first story comes from nintendolife.com. The Super Mario movie secures most successful opening weekend for any animated film ever. Uh, update, it passes Frozen 2's record. Uh, see, the update is Sunday, July 9th. Yesterday, the Super Mario Brothers movie has supplanted Frozen 2 to secure the biggest opening weekend for an animated movie of all time. It has, uh, let's see, what is the last update we have? It has earned $377 million in its opening weekend. That is insane. Yeah, I don't think anyone predicted that from what I can see. Like most people I saw were predicting like maybe 150 at the most. But and I, I'm going to try really hard to not spoil any details from the movie. But I will say, long story short, it was everything that I asked it to be. Like I didn't need it to be this, you know, groundbreaking piece of cinema. I just needed it to be a fun adaptation of Mario, and that's exactly what it was. I was going in, I thought it would be good, but all the great things that you've heard about it on Twitter are all 100% true. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love the movie, and this might surprise you, it is better than both Sonic movies. Really? <laughs> that's and that's a tall it, order cuz I love those Sonic movies. And you know how big of a Sonic fan I am. Mm -hmm. And for me to say that, like I said that right after Samantha and I left the theater and here almost a week later, I'm still saying it. And I I really want to see it again before it's out of theaters. Yeah. I don't know how long it's run's going to be, but I'm I'm expecting within the next week or two that we're going to get a sequel announcement. Dude, if there's that second weekend bump, it might hit a billion dollars next weekend. And no one, like, like I said, no one predicted that it would do this good. That's crazy. Here's some of the breakdown. Uh, in Mexico, they had the highest, uh, higher ticket sales than any full opening weekend of any April animation. Uh, UK and Ireland, biggest Thursday box office for any animated title ever. Uh, and second biggest for a universal title, 8.6 million in two days. China, 5.3 million on Thursday. Germany, higher than any April animated or family film full opening weekend. And outperforming four-day weekend movies like Frozen and Incredibles 2. And in Spain, another 1.8 million on Thursday, totaling 4 million ahead of Friday, already beating full three-day weekend premieres such as Toy Story 4 and Finding Dory. I mean, I know people love Mario, but I had no idea it was going to be this freaking huge. No, me either. And we've touched on this on the show as well. Mario is one of those characters that transcends its genre. Like, you know how we talk about, say, like yeah. Hulk Hogan with wrestling. Like, even people who don't watch wrestling know who he is. There's like, oh, he's the guy that did the wrestling thing back in the day. Everybody knows who Mario is. He's one of the most recognizable characters on the planet. But still, I didn't think the movie would do this good. Like, I'm still in shock by it. I mean, you really think about it. I mean, he is multi-generational. I mean, he's like, he's basically the new Mickey Mouse. I mean, Gen mm -hmm. Xers love him because we were introduced to him. Uh, and he brought video games back to life. Literally, Mario himself brought video games back to life in the 80s. 
We've lived with him for 37, 38 years now. You've got the millennials who love him because of all the games. I mean, we've had a Mario. How many Mario games have we had in the last 38 years since Super Mario Brothers? How many games has Mario been in? Not only that, that not but, just the Mario Brothers games, but yeah. ones that he's made appearances in. Because people forget, like mm-hmm. on the old NES games, he was like the referee in the <laughs> tennis game. So he was little, a little, the referee he was in, everywhere. And punch out, you know, like he was, he was yeah. all the, and then not only that, you've got all those cartoons he was in, you know, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. So he is embedded in Generation X, like late gener- Gen X, I think, Millennials, and, you know, the Gen Z, like, that all three generations love Mario. You can't not love Mario. He's been there with us for almost 40 years now. And this, I cannot tell you how much this warms my heart that this movie has made this much money. Like we're guaranteed now to, for (laughs) we're going to get legend of Zelda. We're going to get Metroid. We're going to get so much more stuff now because of this movie broke that ice for Nintendo. Yeah, I think to say that this rectified the mistake of the live action movie would be the understatement of the year. Um, I'm more than likely going to do a bonus episode of the Derek Diamond experience this week where I do uh, like a spoiler filled review of it. Um, But I will say this. You will love the movie. There are so many Easter eggs, a lot within the first like 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. You're going to, and that's part of the reason why I want to go see it again is because I'm sure there's some that I missed, but so many little nuances. It, I, I literally felt like I was watching cutscenes from the video game. That's like I was awesome. a little surprised that I didn't have a controller in my hand <laughs> at the theater. Like that, that's how faithful the, this movie was. And for those that were worried about Chris Pratt, he was fine. It, it did not. Like you could tell it was Chris Pratt, but there are moments with Bowser you can tell it's Jack Black. Yeah, and well, so it's like I figure it's one of those things that like after you you know a couple of minutes into the movie you just kind of forget. Like it it's so yeah. sensory overload that you just kind of forget. You know. Oh, uh, and the I'll say this one last thing, and it's like a very mild spoiler. The music is incredible. Hearing like the Mario theme and some other tracks from various mario games it 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 got me choked up a little bit might have to get it on vinyl i wonder if they're gonna do a vinyl of it. they are oh yeah that's happening i'm getting that (laughs) yeah i i think i'm gonna do the same but that's that's awesome though that really makes me happy yeah it it was the highlight of of the week for me was seeing that movie which uh, again this is a mild spoiler but that we do have this in the news and i did want to bring this up uh, this is from Kotaku.com. Donkey Kong rap co-creator laments no credits in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Nintendo has gotten a lot of flack in the past few years for failing to credit contributors by name, and it seems like this trend continues into the Super Mario Brothers movie. The DK rap is attributed to Donkey Kong 64 rather than a human creator in the credits of the film, which is uh, Grant Kirkhope. He also composed uh, the music from the Banjo-Kazooie series. It's... Anyone who's played Donkey Kong 64, you know that god-awful rap that's at the beginning. That's how Donkey Kong is introduced in the movie, as they play that song, and he comes out, and he's doing all kinds of goofy showboating stuff. And it's a bad song, but I geeked out over it. But that's funny. 
I, I, I loved it. I also think we're getting a Donkey Kong Country movie. Maybe after the the Mario sequel. Oh, you know we are. They're going to have have so many offshoots just, of this. Movie. Just a just adapt the first Donkey Kong Country game, and I'm I'm I mean I'll be there day one regardless. But I I would absolutely love that. But back to our story. Uh, Grant Kirkhope said in an interview that he composed the rap as a joke, and it was extremely underappreciated in its time. Uh, he said, people were trying to compare me to credible rappers of the time who were superstars. I was like, I'm just Grant Kirkhope. I'm nobody. I wasn't trying to make a proper rap track. It was just supposed to be a bit of a joke. And even you know, Seth Rogen did an interview, or a video where he watched the intro and he's like, this is one of the worst raps I've ever heard. But yeah, in the end credits, it's just listed from Donkey Kong 64. It doesn't say composed or written by Grant Kirkup, which I, I think is is kind of crappy. Yeah, they in need my to go opinion. Back like give give the guy credit. That. Yeah, they need to go back and re-add that. Uh, they, that's an easy fix these days, especially being digital. Yeah, I mean, with No Way Home, they changed the effects like three different times. Yeah, when when it was in the theater, so it, it's it's easy to just replace from Donkey Kong sixty four and put written and composed by Grant Kirkhope or whatever the proper verbiage is. And, and not to they, be they on, should do that. Not to be on Nintendo's side or anything, you know, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. You know as well as I do trying to take care of credits for a movie because there are so many people and so many things that go into making a movie. There are so many people. Sometimes things slip through the cracks. I cannot tell you how many times we had to re-edit the, 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 the credits on just Monsters Anonymous to make sure everybody got in because there was always somebody missing from somewhere. So it's, it's very easy to miss something like that. Now, now I'm not taking up Nintendo's side, but like I said, this is a very easy fix these days. And now that it's out there, it should be fixed. And I hope it is, you know, cause I, I'll, I'm going to pay attention to it if I go see it in the theater again, but definitely whenever it comes out, you know, cause it, this is going to be a physical purchase for me like i will get the blu-ray for it and i hope that they do go back and rectify it because like you said it's an easy fix so like to to me yeah i i could believe it if it was just like a slip up because i had to do the same thing with the feature you know i had to change the credits multiple times yeah because of things falling through the cracks but that they should absolutely go back and fix this and uh, I think Rampage is trying to stir up a little controversy in the chat room. He says the DK Country series is already <laughs> perfection. Don't need a movie. Smiley face. Um, it's perfectly something. <laughs> and what that is, I cannot say on this show. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say it in the open micers chat. <laughs> uh, and this is also from NintendoLife.com. This will make a lot of you happy out there. Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster series launches on Switch later this month. Last December, Square Enix announced the release of the Final Fantasy 1 through 6 Pixel Remaster for the Switch. More recently, pre-orders were being charged and now the Japanese game company has confirmed the compilation will be released for Nintendo's system later this month on the 19th. Collection features the first 6 Final Fantasy games with updated 2D pixel graphics, rearranged soundtracks overseen by the original composer Nobuo Uematsu, and improved gameplay p- features such as modern UI, auto battle options, and more. And I, I'll be honest, I'm kind of interested in this. 
I, I'm excited, you know, that this is coming to light because I remember we talked about this a while back on the show that, you know, these games were going to be released for PS4 and, and the Switch. And I guess the pre-Final Fantasy review of me would say, you know, I'd be looking forward to scrolling past this as I look through the the eShop. But I'm I'm kind of interested as well. Like, I, you can get individual ones, yeah. which I think is a nice option to have. 75 bucks is a little steep. Yeah. But it's also six games. Yeah. You know, it says uh, the bundle will set you back 74.99 for the for the whole bundle individually. The first two games are priced at 11.99 and the rest will set you back 17.99. And honestly, the, I mean the thing that really makes me interested in this is because of all the um quality of life upgrades you're going to get with the Pixel remasters. Because it is hard to go back and play these. I've tried to go back and play a couple of these um, on the old systems, and it's just, I need those quality of life upgrades. And that, now that I know they're there with this Pixel Remaster, I'm way more inclined to pick these up and play them. And I think at the end of the day, I will. I don't know if this is going to be a day one purchase for me, but at some point, you know, maybe this will give me something to play during the summer. Yeah. My, it might be a good thing. Yeah, this might be a uh, Christmas pickup for me. Yeah, that's not a bad idea either. But our last story comes to us from sonicstadium.org, Sonic Adventure Tournament Disc Discovered. A unique version of Sonic Adventure uh, named Sonic Adventure Tournament Disc has been uncovered by video game preservationist Combi Laurent. This version of the game was specially made for a Sonic Adventure tournament that ran during the Sega Dreamcast Mobile Assault Tour, a 22-week-long American promotion that started on August 23, 1999. The Assault Tour was a joint event between Sega of America and IGN that had two Dreamcast-themed trucks traveling across the U.S., giving some American gamers their first chance to check out Sega's new console. I vaguely remember when this happened. I remember hearing about this like traveling showcase I think I where you could heard, try out the Dreamcast. I think I just heard Joey Image scream all the way <laughs> from New Jersey <laughs> to Sega Dreamcast trucks, the uh, mobile assault trucks. He's, I, I can see him right now. Look, he's look, he, he is looking up how much money he has in the bank so he can go purchase one of these Sega Dreamcast trucks. If he does, he needs to bring it to Pensacola and Biloxi. <laughs> That would be amazing. I just picture like him laying in bed uh, with his headphones in, <laughs> listening to the episode. And when this story comes up, he's going to sit up like the Undertaker and just be like, <laughs> "I have to get this. How much is one?" Uh, but yeah, the version of the game drops players right into Emerald Coast, which is the opening level of Sonic Adventure, with a fully upgraded Sonic giving them two minutes to get as many points as possible. You could win everything from T-shirts to Japanese VMUs and Millennium 2000 branded Dreamcast controllers. That is something that Joey Image needs to find mm -hmm. as well. Uh, and then the top four finalists were brought to Las Vegas where you could compete for a $15,000 grand prize. I just wish that this had come around my neck of the woods because yeah, I would have absolutely participated in this. Yeah, I miss when and Sega and Nintendo used to do stuff like this. Like that, nobody does this kind of stuff anymore, and I, I miss this stuff. Oh, when I watched The Wizard as a kid, that my biggest takeaway was I wanted to go to the <laughs> video game championships. <laughs> Me too. Like I, I feel like I could have done fairly well at that. But this, this is a cool find. You know, I, I, 
I didn't remember the specific version of Sonic Adventure, but I did remember hearing stories because I was, you know, I looked at IGN religiously back in the the nineties and two thousands. So this was all over their website. Yeah, I don't remember this, but if this would have came close to town, I would have definitely looked into becoming a part of that. Oh, absolutely. But uh, that brings us to the end of the news, and it is time for some video game history. In April of 1979, Sega's dot-eating driving game Head-On is released. It becomes a popular concept to clone, especially for home systems. I remember Head-On. This is... This, this might just be me, but Head-On is not the best game title I've ever heard. Like, yeah. it doesn't really roll <laughs> off the tongue, and it just makes me think of a car crash. Which I get, but I, I remember us talking about this in past episodes, but... You know, th this is this is before my time. Yeah, I remember seeing these in the arcade, but uh, I don't rem know if I played them or not. But I do remember these cabinets being in the arcades. Jumping ahead to 1993, uh, in April of 93, Virgin Interactive releases the seventh guest for PC, mm -hmm. sold over two million copies and was widely regarded as one of three killer apps that accelerated the sales of CD-ROM drives. The other two being missed. Spelled with a Y, mm -hmm. and Doom. Yeah, I love the Seventh Guest. That was the game that made me forget all about console gaming for a long time because we got our our first real computer. I mean, we had a Commodore sixty four when I was a kid, but we got our first real PC uh, in nineteen ninety three. I was in ten, uh, going into eleventh grade, and when my dad worked uh, part time at um, Home Depot not Home Depot, Office Depot. And uh, he got a discount on the computers and they were having a sale on that weekend. So he, we went and he got a computer and they gave you like three games for free or for like a certain price or whatever, like a bundle or whatever. And I got Seventh Guest and um, I got the Dark Half, Stephen King's The Dark Half and Flashback. Got those three games for my first computer. And I remember popping in the seventh guest and I was hooked on that game for weeks. I even used to take the, the C, you could take the CD-ROM and put it in a CD player and you could play the entire soundtrack for the game. So I would drive around in my little 1988 Nissan Sentra with the CD player in it and then play <laughs> the seventh guest soundtrack as I went places. That's a cool feature. I wonder if more games did that. A lot of games did do that. Like you could take, um, uh, there was some other like driving games and stuff back then, and like uh, saw so there was some other games. A lot of the games did have one track that was like the first track was the actual game. It wouldn't play, but you could go to the second track and beyond, and that was the sound track for the game. Interesting, I did not know that. Like I, I missed out on the whole computer gaming phase or. I want to say phase because a lot of people still do it, but you know, back in the '90s and into the 2000s when PC gaming was really really popular, I I never got into that. Like I had a handful of computer games, but they were ones that you know, like I would play at school, mm -hmm. like the educational type games. But you no know, PC gaming, I just never got into, and I, I I do wish that I had. And I you know I could always just go back and see which ones are on Steam to play, but 
no, I, I missed out on that whole that whole generation of gaming. Yeah, I had an awesome computer teacher in high school in eleventh and twelfth grade. When I would get done with my schoolwork early in class, just race through it and get done. And the rest of the class, she would let us. Uh, she had a whole thing of three and a half inch floppies at the front of the class, and first one of us would just race up there so we could either get Wolfenstein or Doom, one of those two, and we could play Doom or Wolfenstein for the rest of the class. It's funny going back and watching some of the cartoons from the 90s and you see like a floppy disk is like an important piece piece of equipment because yeah. it's like, oh, important information is on this disk. And I'm like, you can maybe fit a Word document or two on it there. What, like 1.75 megabytes? Yep. <laughs> I don't even think you could put a picture on a floppy disk now. A low quality one you could, but if you want one that's decent, yeah. no, not a chance. Uh, uh, you're see. up next. Uh, April of 1996, LucasArts releases Indiana Jones and his desktop adventures for Windows and Mac. I think we've talked about this before. I want to go back and play this just to see it, what it's like. This has to be available on Steam. It's got to be. Or good old games. Well, you know, it, it is a good time to revisit it with the Dial of I Destiny know. coming out. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. That might happen. I think it should. I'd be interested to see if it's available on Steam. Yeah, I'm gonna look I'd, it up later. Tonight, I'm gonna try it out is. myself. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, if it's available, it. let let me know because I I'd be interested in trying this myself. And it's an educational game, so we just might learn something. Learn something. <laughs> uh, last but not least, April 24th of 2002, G4 Media LLC, which is a subsidiary of Comcast launches the G4 Cable Television Video Game Network channel. Did you ever watch G4? Uh, occasionally, uh, if I ever ran across somebody that had actual cable, because I honestly haven't had cable since, like, 2008. Uh, I've, been a, I've been a cord cutter since, like, 2008, so occasionally I would run across G4, but I, it was, never was something that I particularly watched. It was one of those things that, like when it was announced, I thought it was great. I'm like, oh, cool, a gaming channel. Yeah, that was around the time that you'd discover channels related to specific topics, and that's all it would be 24 7. But I never really watched it. Like, I knew friends of mine that did, and they would tell me about it, but I was never, I was never drawn to it. That's probably which you'd why think it's I not would around be, but... anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember it being a thing, but yeah. it just never. It never appealed to me. I know it came back a few, uh, like a year or so ago, uh, mm -hmm. for like a year or two, and then it shut back down again because nobody watches TV anymore. Yeah, it it disappeared for a reason. Yep. But uh, that brings us to the end of this month of video game history. Derek, would you like to do some shout outs? Absolutely want to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out Danny House. Justin Nispel, John West, Daniel Salmon, Mr. B-Res Coffee himself, Mike Eveland, Tyler Watson, Axblade07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage, Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mr. Joey Image, and Mama Diamond herself, Mama Diamond. Donna Diamond. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions keeping the lights on for us here at the nerd cave retro show 
And for just as little as a dollar a month, you get early access to our commentary tracks that we do, such as Animaniacs, uh, Gargoyles, Darkwing Duck, full-length movies like Transformers the Movie, Clue, Christmas Vacation, uh, live-action shows like Family Matters, which we should do another like yeah. <laughs> live-action time block soon. Uh, I think that would be fun. Well, this month we've got uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original cartoon series, coming up this month, which I think we're going to do not this weekend, but pro probably next weekend we'll get that knocked out for you guys. And um, also, don't forget, if you're a patron, you get adless episodes. You get your own Patreon feed that you can put in the podcatcher of your choice and no ads on it at all. It even says if you use a depending on your podcast app, uh, it might say RSS feed for Tyler Watson or Carlos Longoria. Cause there, there's a couple of shows that I'm subscribed to through Patreon and on the description, it says private feed for Derek diamond. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be back in town. Um, two, two weekends from now. So okay. that, that should, that should work for me. Awesome. Well, yeah, go head over to, uh, Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro and help us, help us keep the show going because it's all for you guys. We love doing this show. You guys keep us going. So as little, like Derek said, it's as little as a dollar a month. That's like less than like, a cup of coffee every single month. That's a month. You can't beat that with a stick. Less than gas station coffee, even. I know. Uh, but yeah, for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media information, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout out. Hey, Derek, have you heard the news? What news? We officially have our very own line of coffee at brezcoffeeco.com. That's right. Nerd Cave Retro now has its very own medium roast coffee. If you want to try it yourself, or even some of the other awesome flavors like Wizard's Potion, which is a butterscotch, caramel, and hazelnut flavored roast. Or the Dragon's Breath Roast, which is a cinnamon dolce flavored roast. They have tons of different flavors, and you can also just get a regular Colombian roast and add any flavor to it that you want. They even keep their seasonal roasts all year round. If you need that boost to get you through those all-night gaming sessions, then head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the promo code NCR for 10% off your order. And tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... ridiculous <laughs> uh, if you notice on my notes I, the first thing i put is the intro music is so obnoxiously cute that i don't know if i want to dance or just like throw haymakers on somebody <laughs> probably if i listen to it for like five or ten seconds i'm like okay like i i know this is as the yoshi story theme song but then after that i'm like please stop this is like this it can be like torture sometimes yeah but speaking of Patreons, I put a poll out a couple of weeks ago asking you guys to vote for what my next review will be. And there was a three-way tie between <laughs> this, Earthworm Jim 2, and Rystar. And I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm the most familiar with Yoshi's story, and plus with the timing of the Mario movie, 
I thought this would be a fun game to go back and uh, and revisit. I don't know so, how they did it, but I know they did it. it. That was on purpose. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. I, I, if if I were making this game, I would have totally done it on purpose. Uh, but Yoshi's Story is a 1997 side-scrolling platform game published and developed by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64. It was released in Japan in December of 97 and then released in the States just a few months later in March of 1998. So this is like what I call the the prime area of the Nintendo 64. You know, like it had been out for a couple of years, really right around the middle of its lifespan. So I think the timing of this game was was really good because as we were mentioning with the the movie, Mario and the characters from those games have some long-standing staying power. And Yoshi was a very popular character when Mario World came out and he was introduced. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people look at him as Mario's sidekick rather than Luigi. Yeah. So, and then, you know, Yoshi's Island came out for the Super Nintendo uh, years later and was a really popular game, putting Yoshi at the forefront. And this does the same thing. And I remember being excited for this game when it came out because I, liking Mario, you know, anything that had Mario or its characters, I was going to get my hands on and play. And when I first started playing it, because I didn't know a ton about it when, when this game came out. The song threw me off a little bit, <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, what what am I getting into? And you know, it it tells the story at the beginning of the game that um, Baby Bowser has essentially turned Yoshi's Island into a storybook, hence the look of the game. Everything's you know transformed except for six Yoshi eggs, all different colors. They hatch, and you play as the Yoshis to go through the storybook, defeat baby Bowser and return the Island back to normal. The graphics are, they're childlike, like it's like a storybook, but if you look at it and you compare it to other games from the Nintendo 64, it looks pretty darn good. Like there are no major polygons. It doesn't look really jagged, like, you know, like a, a cutout. So I think that in looking at it now, the graphics are pretty timeless. You know, we talk about games like Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild. Like, Breath of the Wild was kind of a hybrid between Wind Waker and uh, Twilight Princess. But you look at Wind Waker, especially, the ga- the graphics hold up better than, like, some of the more darker-looking, like, quote-unquote, live-action Zelda games. Yeah. So I think graphically this holds up better than most Nintendo 64 games. Yeah, this In my personal looks opinion. like a very souped-up Super Nintendo game, almost. It really does. It has a mix of uh, kind of like claymation or stop-motion animation combined with a, a storybook kind of look. Because you, when you play through the games, you know, some areas do look like they're like from a pop-up book, but it looks good. Like it doesn't look jaggedy, like I was saying earlier. So that that was the first thing that jumped out at me from playing this again because I hadn't played it since the late '90s, early 2000s. Because I I didn't play it for um, the Wii Virtual Console when it came out back in like '06 or '07. 
So I was curious as to how the game held up. Control-wise, it plays similar to Yoshi's Island. Yoshi's real attacks, you've got your flutter jump, you've got your ground pound, and you've got your eggs. Plays like Yoshi's Island, controls are easy to pick up. That's There's no problem there. What's interesting is it doesn't play like a traditional platform in the sense that you don't start at your starting point and then get to a goal. What you have to do is in order to complete the level, you have to eat 30 pieces of fruit. And if you get to the end of the stage and you still haven't eaten 30 pieces, then it takes you back to the beginning and you go through it until until you complete your task. Um, as far as a traditional life meter goes, you have what's called your, um, I believe it's called a smile meter. You'll see the in the screenshot uh, in the Wikipedia page, there's a flower in the top corner of the screen that has a bunch of petals around it. When you start each level, you start out with one petal. So if you get hit once, you're, you're toast. But you replenish your health by eating fruit. And some of it, it affects each Yoshi differently because of the colors. So say if you play like green Yoshi and you eat a watermelon, it's going to fill your meter up instantly because you associate the Yoshi's favorite fruit with the color of Yoshi that you're playing. Mm-hmm. You also, at the beginning of the campaign, you get to pick... Um, what's called the lucky fruit where say if like you're playing as green Yoshi and you select banana when you eat a banana it automatically fills up your your meter and you get eggs like you do in Yoshi's Island you eat enemies you find blocks you know that you jump up and hit to get your get your eggs from um, any any thoughts so far because you you've not played this game correct no i i have i've never really had a desire to play this game it always seemed kind of like a you know like a kid's game i guess and we'll we'll get to that in a second yeah i mean i was looking at some of the uh the development for this game and um it said it was uh it got a memory expansion that extended from 96 to 128 megabits so it's not even like 64 it's like 128 megabits and it's basically they they described the I guess one of the first games they ever described as 2.5D, not full 3D, but just 2.5. Well, they kind of used the same art style for the new Super Mario Brothers games yeah, that came out yeah. for like the Wii and the Wii U. That's what I was I was trying to make that connection was like it it reminds me of those games like the the mm-hmm. new Super Mario Brothers for like the Wii. And I I actually really like the graphics of the game because it, it again it has that kind of timeless feel mm-hmm. as far as some of my critiques of the game goes because i i like the graphics i like the simplicity of it that you know i i use the mario kart comparison you can really learn this game very easily it, it is very much a kid's game the game is very short there are six worlds each with an option of four levels that you can choose from. So say if if you're in chapter one, you have like 1-1 or 1-2, so on and so forth. When you beat that level, it takes you to the next chapter. And then so you you don't have to go through all um, 24 stages. If you want to do it for replayability's sake, you can. Yeah. It said when it was released in uh, 97 in Japan, um, reviews from the press said the game was too easy and little rewarding. So Nintendo 
demanded the difficulty bar of the game to be raised. So with extra time to polish the game, several changes were made to the international release, including graphical cleanup, the addition of white fences on cardboard courses, and egg blocks with colors matching the Yoshi in play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and even still, I kind of breezed through this game. Yeah, it seems and like there... that kind of game, though. That's why I kind of never really tried to play it. Yeah, and you can even tell from the box art that this looks like a kid's game. And it, it is. And if, if I had ever rented this game, and as soon as I put it in, and I hear this, <laughs> you know, the... soon as i hear that <laughs> i'm i'm taking it out of the 64 immediately i mean no no offense to nintendo or anything but that just that would drive me nuts yeah i i'm pretty sure that this will probably be played at my funeral as a prank <laughs> one one last little little prank before i get put in the ground but if you're a yoshi fan and a mario fan like it's not a bad game to play it's just because let's see, this game came out in March of 98 in the States, so I would have been 11. And even then, I thought it was too easy. Yeah. But it's it has its its pros. Like I, like I said, I like the look of the game. It's kind of a time killer. But in all honesty, this isn't a game that I'm going to go back and play repeatedly though this has been on my list for a while uh, of of games to review because there aren't a ton of mario games left that we haven't talked about yeah, at least like from from the 64 to nes era it just seems like this type of game if this was to come out today this would be like a a time waster mobile game oh this is a thing that would actually do well as a mobile game yeah because e- even quick- with quick pick up and play type of thing. It's not too difficult, you know. And even with, you know, some of the more modern games, like the the Yoshi games that have like the yarn kind of look to it. I think it, like Yoshi's Woolly World mm-hmm. is one of them. It, it, this is kind of the genesis of those types of games. It's not a bad thing. Like it, it's a it's a market that Nintendo can cater to. And Yoshi is a very popular character. But I'm not going to go back and and play any of those games. They did say recently, um, and I, I didn't put it in the news, but it was um, Miyamoto had came out this last week and said that uh, they're not doing any, I, I don't know if they're just not doing mobile games at all, or if they're not going to do any more Mario mobile games. And I take that how you will, but I, I'm, that definitely means they're not going to be doing Mario, but are they going to be doing other games for mobile i don't know you can never tell with them because like like you said this seems like the perfect game to put out for mobile you know this would be a little 99 cent time waster yeah and i i think there would be a market for that Mm -hmm. but you know this game is what it is like i said it's not it's by far not the worst game that i've ever played like it's not a bad game it's just not a game that is marketed to me or you or probably the majority of our listeners. Yeah. And- you know, if, if I were, if I were like five years younger, 
this probably would have been one of my favorite games for the the yeah. N64. That's what I was gonna but say. But I was it, like right on the edge of that yeah. that age range where I'm like, yeah, it's kind of cool to play as Yoshi and it's cool he's got his own story, no pun intended. Hmm. But it, it's a kid's game. Yeah, this seems like something that would appeal to like that five to ten range. You know, mm-hmm. like it just even just looking at the box art, like the, if I saw this box art, you know, back then in the the rental the movie shop, I would have just looked at it and passed it right on up. Like this would have not even entered my radar to rent. Yeah, yeah. And as far as the reception of the game goes at the time it came out, uh, it holds a sixty-five out of one hundred rating on Metacritic based on eight reviews, indicating mixed or average. Upon its initial release, critics overwhelmingly praised the game's music, ease of play, minus the intro theme, the music is not bad. Yeah, like it's, I, I did listen to some of the other tracks, and they didn't have that annoying singing in them. And the they annoy- weren't bad. The annoying but, chant. Yeah, but, I mean, they were still kind of a little too, you know... A little, little too, too upbeat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I totally get that. Uh, praise the game's music, ease of play, and graphics, particularly the seamless integration of rendered objects with hand-drawn art. However, they also overwhelmingly found the game to be simplistic, particularly as compared to its predecessor, Yoshi's Island, and considered it much too short and easy to offer good value. I, that really sums it up in just a couple of sentences. Like, it's cool, but if I'm going to go back and play a Yoshi game, it's Yoshi's Island, yeah. and it's not even close it it's a much longer game it's more challenging and i get more out of it the story's better it's just yoshi's island is really an underrated platformer if you think about it like because it's really the sequel to super mario world but that game is held in such high regard by gamers especially from from our era that yoshi's island still gets overlooked yeah, and I think that a game like this, especially a game like this, and I have a lot of games like this for my Nintendo, you know, NES library, where I'll never play them ever again, but I just have them because they're part of the library. You know, like this yeah. seems like that kind of game. Like if you're a if you're an N sixty four collector, you want to have this in the in you know on the shelf, but you're probably not going to play this more than once. No, or or if you're like a Mario fan and you collect like Mario games and memorabilia, mm-hmm. you'll want this as part of your collection. Or if you but, have a little kid, you know, that likes Yoshi. Yeah. 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 There, there's that too. But yeah, I, I mean that, that really sums up how I feel about the game. It, it's not bad. It's just not a game that is catered to me. And it's a game that I probably won't ever go back and play again. Um, Really like the, the art style. I think it holds up better than 90% of the N64 library from a visual standpoint. It's a fun game to go back and play for a little while, but it's nothing that you're going to really get anything out of. So I don't want to give it too bad of a score. I I would say I'd give it a five and a half. Like, because I, I, I consider five to be average, the graphics bump it up uh, yeah. a half point for me. Well, I think maybe for games like this, we should have a two-tiered um, point system. Like, the overall game of how we feel about it and how we think others would feel about it. And then there's, like, we should have a technical score. 
Like a game like this, like it looks great, you know, and it sounds good and it plays good. It would get a high technical score for being what it is on the N64. But, you know, fun factor, would we play it? Eh, you know, it's a five. It's just right there, average. Maybe we should start doing that, like a two-tiered, for, for games like this. Yeah, that, that's not a bad idea. Like, graphically, from a technical standpoint, I'd give this game a good, like, seven and a half or an eight. Yeah. But from a fun factor, I'd give it, like, like a three or a four. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> that's pretty low. <laughs> yeah, I, but, but I mean, it, it's it's not for me. Yeah, so there's I get it. you you put, you know, take that for what you will. Like I said, if I were five years younger, I probably would have loved this game. Yeah, and I was way older, so this was not in my wheelhouse yeah. at all. Yeah, but yeah, the, those are my thoughts on Yoshi's Story. It, it was it was fun to go back and revisit it, but yeah. it's one that I likely won't go back and revisit again. But uh, but that brings us to the end of the review for this week. And uh, just to, for everybody uh, to remember, Derek will not be here next Monday or the next, so we're going to have some guests guest host filling in and next week we have the real big wall himself is going to be here and we're going to be doing our top five games that deserve a resurrection uh to kind of tie into him and i and the rampage's new podcast dead game pod go check them out at dead game pod on twitter go go listen to those episodes so you have until the 16th which is next sunday to get us your list you can either tw- uh, message them to us on twitter um Facebook, you can email them to us, nerdcaveretro at gmail.com, or if you're on the Discord, you can go, uh, we have a top five submission tab on there, and you can go in there and write them in there, and we'll get them. So you have until the 16th, which is next Sunday, to get us your top five games that deserve a resurrection. And then the week after, we're going to have Mr. Jacob Craig here, my co-host over on Open Micers, and he is going to be reviewing the new Resident Evil 4 remake. So I'm looking okay. really looking forward to that. Yeah, for my my top five, I'll just I'll put them in the show notes. All right, Sounds the last thing for you to have to do. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that that brings us to the end of the episode. So uh, what's going on with the Derek Diamond experience this week? Yeah, so uh, new episode uh, dropped today. Uh, if you're watching live, um, I had the pleasure of interviewing a camera operator by the name of Steve Matzinger, who's worked on. Uh, a ton of shows and movies throughout his 30 plus year career. He's worked on Westworld house. Uh, he worked on the movie seven um, started out in the nineties, worked on basic instinct and some other movies from around that time. Um, really, really impressive resume. I had a fun chat with him. And then uh, later on this week, I'll be doing a spoiler filled review of the super Mario brothers movie. That'll probably drop on Thursday. And if you want to follow the show, you can head over to linktree.com slash Podcast. Awesome. I'm looking forward to the new episode. I haven't listened to it yet because I didn't go to work today. So <laughs> I didn't get to Me listen and you both. to it. Um, but uh, the open micers, last week we had uh, comedian Will Loden on the show. And he's going on tour with a friend of the show, Mr. Neil Rubenstein. And they're going on a huge Southeastern tour uh, in the next couple of weeks. So go check out that episode. He is absolutely hilarious and we had a, a blast with that episode so go check it, was it out. It was a fun chat. It was so fun like that was one of my favorite episodes to do because I, I just couldn't stop laughing that whole episode and just go check it out. Open micers wherever podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, is that it? Is that everything for this week? 
I think so. And then whenever I do come back on the show, um, my next review will be Earthworm Jim 2. So you have that to look forward to. Fantastic. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. Um, So my review will be in three weeks. So I got three weeks to play something. Actually, I might do Minish Cap because I've been playing that the last couple of days. Yeah, you should. But, uh, but yeah, that I think that might do that. I'll, I'll try to finish it up before then, because that game is good. I'm really enjoying it so far. I still need to start on it, but it's, it's it looks fun. It's different. It looks like a lot of fun. It, it's a different take on the the Zelda franchise, but I am really enjoying it so far. So. Oh, good. But, good. Um, but that's going to do it for this week. And uh, one more time before we go, please go give at Joey Image TV on Twitter. Go give him some love. He's going for surgery in the next couple of days. We'll be thinking about you, buddy. And uh, let yep. us know if we can do anything for you. And um, go give him some love over there on Twitter, everybody. And on that note, if you want to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And nerdcaveretro.com is our link tree. And that includes our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, Patreon, and, of course, the merch shop. Can't forget about the merch shop. That's at ncrmerch.com, where we got T-shirts, hats, stickers, magnets, bags, mugs, whatever your nerdy little heart desires. And, of course, follow us on social media, at NerdCaveRetro, at JFunktastic, at Derek underscore Diamond. And leave us a review and or a five-star rating on all podcasting platforms and that's gonna do it so Derek please tell them what it's all about may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce Forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza.